Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have someone that I consider to be an action taker, right? He found me through a Facebook group. He sent me a message and he was just like, hey, man, I want to be on your show. I was like, okay. So we had a little casual conversation off air and he kind of told me his story. And I was like, you know what? This show is designed exactly for people like you. So without further ado, Benjamin, who are you? Hey, I appreciate that. You know, I... uh I appreciate your your sharing that because I was always curious what makes you pick different guests, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I do consider myself to be someone who's looking for more. You know, I was attracted to the title of this podcast being Uncaged Boss because I believe that that uncaging happens in the mind, mm-hmm. and that's how it started for me. Like I didn't grow up in an affluent family. I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs. Um, I grew up, you know, with people who, as well-meaning as they are, really had limited ideas of what was possible in life. And I never even considered the possibility of being an entrepreneur until probably about two or three years ago. Okay. Uh, I, it, it's a new idea. So for me, I'm someone who's constantly in search of growth, in search of, you know, asking the question, why? And asking the question, how can I do this better? And looking for that freedom, which is so well symbolized by the term uncaged. Nice, nice. So, I mean, in, in our conversation off air, and we're going we're gonna to bleed that conversation in, into air, right? So, I mean, you was kind of telling me you're an influencer, you're a life coach, you're a musician. Like, I mean, define yourself in three to five words. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, first and foremost, I'm a communicator. And that might be a bit broad sounding at first, but as you talked about, I started my journey as a musician. Uh, I've been a musician ever since I can remember. I never honestly remember a time where I didn't go over to the piano and try to express myself through there. Most of my life, I have been kind of a quiet, introverted person. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time going new connections, people starting new conversations. If I'm in a group full of 100 people, you're not going to see me just going around introducing myself to, to random strangers a lot. But I learned the value of communication through music first, which was I can take something that's inside of me, like a, a feeling, an experience, maybe even a memory, and I can, with the piano, which is what I play, I can take and express that to someone I don't even know, to someone I've never met before and probably will never see again, in a way that connects with them they get that mm-hmm. and I, I started doing that of course at home first and then opportunities started rising for me I grew up in a very religious family so started going you know playing at church and I didn't even read music in fact I still don't read music very well and so it was like how do I do this in a way that other people can follow in a way that you know there was congregational singing there was structure there and and the journey of 
saying not only how can I express myself, but how can I express myself in a way that's relevant in this context and to this message. That bled over into the desire to not only express myself, but to have something positive to express, to enjoy my life. Because for a lot of years, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I certainly wasn't happy. I, uh, as a result of misinterpretation, misguided um, use of religion, uh, I had a lot of guilt, a lot of um, just a lot of anxiety and, and uncertainty about where my life was going, how worthy I was of success as a person, all of that, because we know that culturally we live in a very limiting people's mindsets are, are limited and that especially goes to a lot of times sadly people who are very religious it's all about we got to keep things the way they are we need to stay the traditions you know you're in our club you act this way and I was kept I was with someone asking why because I realized partially through my interest in music that the possibilities are limitless art loves diversity and in music, you don't have beauty if you just have one note. You don't have beauty if you just have one rhythm. You have different things that are inherently opposed to each other, inherently different from each other, working together to create a common good, a common blessing. And that was something that intrigued me because I didn't see that in my church. I didn't see that in the people. I saw everyone trying to be the same. And so... I started asking those questions of how can I improve my life? How can I attract these different energies that are not like me and that are new that I can learn from that will ultimately elevate that experience? Yep. So, I mean, if, what you just said, and I want people to kind of like recap again, right? Go back two, three minutes. And in the beginning of this episode, I said that he was an influencer, he's a life coach, and he's a musician. And that his answer, he just defined why he's a life coach. He kind of just gave you a, a pure example of what life coaching is really all about, right? It's about taking your condition, understanding your journey, and understanding multiple people's journey, and helping them get from point A to point B. And he's on that journey himself. So it makes sense that you wanted to be a life coach. So just dive into that a little bit more. Like, why did you want to become a life coach? And what did that journey look like? So about, probably about five years ago now, mm. I was riding in the back of my brother-in-law's car. Mm. He lives over in Norway. And he put on a recording of a motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar. Zig. After this point, yeah. <laughs> after this point, I never listened to motivational speakers. To be honest, I thought it was kind of a pump up. You know, you go here, someone tells you to feel good, you feel good for a little while, and then you go back to life the way it is. And so I wasn't really into it. I didn't check it out, but it wasn't my car. So he put on this recording and I'm like, <laughs> okay, what is this? And I was attracted to it. Hmm. Not because it made me feel good. You know, he, he tells lots of stories and, and he was, he was a very engaging, he was funny, he was entertaining, which entertainment is what I did as a musician. You know, what I, especially, I've always been a student of music way more than a producer and a producer as a result of the things I learned. So the same thing when it came to this motivational speech, I was like, he's entertaining, but it wasn't just entertainment, it was 
the message of empowerment, that you can improve your life, which remember, that's the thing I was looking for. Um, how can I not just consume content, but how can I learn in a way that will elevate my experience? And so I started listening to other speakers. I started getting interested in the personal development world because I recognized in that a message that I had been searching for, which was of empowerment, of uncaging the mind, precisely as what it was all about. And so I, I put money into it. I bought programs. I went to uh, conferences. And, you know, it, it grew over time. But remember, this is why I'm a part-time musician. Part-time, I'm working at Kroger. I worked at Starbucks for a while. Like, I wasn't swimming in cash. But my, de my desire, because of the unpleasant experiences, because of the anxiety and, and all that, and I'm watching my siblings, I have three siblings, watching them grow up, watching the life my parents had, and realizing I'm not really happy with the results they're getting. Nothing against them. And maybe, you know, that was their vision, but it wasn't mine. And so I'm like, in order for me to get a different life, I'm going to need other role models. I'm going to need advice and mentors that have achieved the experience I want. So I eventually did hire a life coach and it was a good experience. It wasn't perfect. I had, you know, pros and cons, but I saw the power in it. And if I got nothing else out of that experience of hiring a life coach, it was, I can do this. Okay. I can take this vision and help other people apply it because it's not just, I'm successful, watch me and you can maybe become successful. It's, these are the things I've learned. Here's how you apply it in a specific way. Do this and this and this. Check back the next time. Did you do it? What worked? What didn't? It's very practical, very um, pragmatic, you know. And, and so that was attractive to me. Honestly, I've, I've not been to college. And I don't say that to knock college. But I just didn't know what I wanted to study. And I wasn't interested in investing a lot of money if I didn't have a clear direction. Life coaching for me gave me that clear direction because the course was tailored to my life. It wasn't about, you can learn this career that a lot of people do and maybe find your pocket in that, but it's, what is it that you can do better than anyone else? What is your unique gift? And tailoring that career, that life mission to just me as an individual. So, I mean, based upon but, but that last response, it kind of leads me to another um, in-depth question, right? I can hear some similarities to you, to Tony Robbins, right? And, and anybody that knows Tony Robbins, and I've been to several Tony Robbins events, it's, it's kind of like, it's like going to a music concert, which goes back to your music background. It also goes, it ha almost has like a spiritual uplifting feel to it, which kind of goes back to your spirituality a little bit. And then it, obviously it's life coaching, business development, right? It's, it's, it's gathering those three things and putting it into an event, putting it into an environment. And that would makes his event so sticky. So people get attached to it. It becomes addictive. Are you following that model to a certain extent? Do you see yourself potentially growing into like a Tony Robbins? Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's definitely one of the mentors that I uh, latched on to pretty early on. Mm -hmm. That being said, 
I try very hard not to follow one person exclusively mm-hmm. and not just that, but not to model one person exclusively mm-hmm. because as much as I would love to be the next Tony Robbins in the scale of what he does, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the next Tony Robbins in the entirety of, of who he is because no, no one's ever going to do that as successfully as he does it. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to be the next uncaged boss like mm-hmm. you do it. Our goal in life, we're, I believe we are created as individuals on purpose. So the best thing that we can do is develop our individually, our individuality to its fullest potential, which is always going to take us in a slightly different direction. That being said, of course, these ideas that Tony has, he didn't originate. This is true. Okay, he's applied things. He had fleshed them out. But of course, he listened to people like Les Brown, like Zig Ziglar, of course, Jim Rohn, and those people listened to other people. And so I'm going to take ideas that he has used, and I'll develop them in my way, and I have. I also take ideas from different things, but I'll draw from my musical experience. I'll draw from my spiritual experience. I'll draw from my entrepreneurial journey. And my goal is to deliver a package that works, it's not gonna work for everyone, but works for people who are seeking their own individuality. And that's what I empower. Hmm, hmm. So yeah, staying, staying on that path, right? I remember I went to a Tony Robbins event probably in the last 24 months. And in that event, he was on stage, he was still being Tony, but he was also suffering from mercury poison because on his trip, I think he was coming back from Hawaii before he came to Atlanta to do that particular show. He ate a bunch of mercury. He was sick as hell on stage, but he was still Tony jumping around, right? So yeah. this question is, what's the worst experience? Right? If I had asked Tony what his worst experience to date was, it would have probably been the mercury poison, right? So what's your worst experience that you've ever had in your business that you've had to overcome? Hmm. There's several different ways I could go with that. There's, of course, experiences that affected me personally, which probably the worst one of that was uh, I got a music job, which a couple years ago, this is about three years ago now, that was my dream come true. It was a full-time paid benefits, insurance, touring around the country. um, And I landed that. And... I moved up here to the Nashville area, which is where I'm still living now, to do that. Did it for nine months, and I got fired without any warning on the spot. I got fired. I wasn't given a reason like, oh, you did this badly, so we're letting you go. It was, frankly, because I stood up for something I really believed in. There was racial tension within the group, within the workplace, and... Uh, one of my coworkers, who's African-American, wasn't being treated well. And I stood up and said, this isn't right. And we're both let go like that. Hmm. Um, you know, it's not a corporate environment. Musical culture is different. Hmm. Uh, these bands are, are run. Things are internal. In that time, there was only three people in a room. Uh, there was not that accountability. So that was the death of a dream for me. But not only was it the death of a dream, because obviously, yeah, I could go out there and find another music job and, and do stuff. I'm living in 
in Nashville. But it was really a time where I questioned, am I in the right place? Am I achieving that goal that I set out, which was to improve my life? Like, where am I headed? Because it wasn't looking too good. Not only was I kicked out, but I, um, I had other people from the company, like in the board and everything, calling me and say, hey, you messed up. You, you disrupted the, the cart. You know, we were doing things that we got to look for new people. And, and it was really a thing where I was accused of being the, the problem. And I'm not saying all of this to, to um, draw aside, you know, and, and be like, I'm the same to hear everyone. It's not about what I chose to do or didn't choose to do. The point I'm making is those decisions, it, it, we, have to, we have to live with our decisions. Mm-hmm. And only we can tell ourselves if we made the right one or not. There's always going to be people around us saying that was the wrong decision. And I had plenty of people telling me that. In fact, most people were telling me that. Mm-hmm. And so that self-doubt, I got to be honest, I existed in this apartment without really looking for a new job. Yeah, I, I left and, 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 you know, did food shopping and all that, but I didn't really find a new direction for several months because it was just such a, an upheaval. And uh, so ultimately, the gift that I got from that was realizing that that moment that had felt like a weakness of me being cast aside and the, the group went on and they got new people and they're still out touring now. But that moment was actually my, my first biggest victory because I had made a decision without ensuring that uh, it would work in my favor. I didn't do it for anyone else. I didn't do it because it was beneficial for where I thought my life was going because things change. They happen all the time. We, we only have a limited perspective. But I made the decision because I believed it was right. And in hindsight, I've looked back at that and been proud of it. And yeah, things have been difficult. Like that, it's been a, a journey from there. I, I did, after that, decide to go more into personal development I, as a career. I do still do music. But I realized, for me, the journey, the message about life, about how it affects how I live my life and how I want to empower other people is ultimately more important to me. I want that to be at the forefront and then share the music because the music is more subject to context. Anyone can impose their meaning on my songs and they do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I realize that I have a message that's even more specific that I have to get out to people. So, I mean, with any business, right? There's all, you brought up a solid topic about like not only the morale of the employees, but the, the responsibility to do what's right, right? And you, you hear about all these big companies all the time, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Amazon, and you always hear that something went wrong in the company structure, something went wrong in the business, and the leader of that company is always in the news or trying to protect what their choices were. So for you, you made what you thought was a positive decision, and you look back at it as a turning point in, in your life, right? To move forward. And again, I think those philosophies are part of the reason why you're on the journey to become a life coach. In that, right, we always hear about the 20 years it takes someone 
to become successful, someone that's on a journey, but it always is perceived as an overnight success. So in your journey, how long did it take you to get to where you are, including that landmark moment of you making a positive decision that had negative results? I guess it depends on where you mean, what you mean by to get where you are, because obviously I started getting where I am 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. but that's not my ultimate success, Mm -hmm. but it is a, like, I believe every day is an opportunity to take it a step further, Mm -hmm. realize that vision more, to clarify that, to refine the message, to gain that confidence. Um, And so I guess I have a hard time. I don't really view myself as being at a particular milestone right now in, except in the sense that I feel like I'm more alive and more sure of what I'm doing today than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe, maybe does that. I mean, but, but think about it from, if you're a life coach, right? I mean, everything that you're breathing and saying on, on this particular podcast, I know why you're a life coach because you're, you're the embodiment of being a life coach. You're living it, you're walking it. So on that journey, right? So when did your journey start? Like how many years ago did your journey start? And obviously we know that your journey is not ended, but you're at the level of a surety knowing what you want to do. And in America, a lot of people in worldwide, most people are still trying to figure out what am I going to do? I hate my job. What's my next job going to be? Okay. I hate my career. What's my next career going to be? You already kind of transitioned from that to knowing what your focus is, where you're going and what your goals are going to be. So on that journey, how long did it take you to get there? I, as I told you before, I didn't have any thought about being an entrepreneur growing up and graduating from high school when there was a lot of pressure to go into college that year. Um, people are telling me, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And I still didn't have a clue of as to what I wanted to do. You know, I, I didn't really come to a conclusion, like a solid conclusion, that I wanted to be a life coach until a couple of years ago. But I was on that journey, as I told you, through my music, through the experiences that I had in, in life, through religion, uh, all of that has combined because I was on this journey of I want to have choices I want to have freedom and it's kind of a a broad thing to say but when you're growing up in a church that's very rigid very conservative you don't have a lot of choices the choices that you uh, are told you like you still have heaven on this side and hell on this side no one is going to intentionally choose to go to hell. At least I haven't met them yet. So in that case, it's sort of a, you know, it's sort of a, well, yeah, I have two choices, but this one sucks. So it's not really a choice. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the same thing, you know, growing up, I grew up with, with parents who, of course, wanted me to learn right from wrong, wanted me to keep me safe. And so they had rules. And, you know, there's that time where, when you're smaller, you don't have a lot of choices about that either. You're going to eat at this certain time. You're going to go to bed at this certain time. You're going to do this. And that didn't bother me from a very young age. But what bothered me, I remember being five years old and thinking, I noticed some adults in my life that were living without choices. Mm. Like even my own parents. 
And that bothered me at, at this crazy young age. And I don't, most people, I don't think, think that way. But for me, I remember noticing at that age, like people being a victim, whether it was of finance, whether it was of certain practices and relationships, whether it was of the their way that they approached the religion. Those, those kind of thoughts started in me back then. And so as I grew older, and especially my experience with religion, I got to be honest, it wasn't a positive one. Because I started realizing that the more I grew older and the more I started to sort of push the envelope of wanting to make those choices, I want to start wearing different things. I want to start talking in a different way. I want to start drinking certain things. The more tight the restriction became. No, this is the path. This is the way that we do things here. And yet it wasn't teaching me to, to form a certain type of character. At least that's not the way I perceived it. It wasn't teaching me, empowering me to make those decisions. It was just do this because this is the proven, this is the path that we take. This is the path that this church takes and whatnot. And so I met a family friend, um, probably, I'm trying to think, probably about 15 years ago now, came into our lives. And this guy was very much his own person. He was spiritual and all of that, but he, he carried this air about him where no one tells me what to do. If I'm going to be spiritual, it's because I chose to do this. I'm going to study this out for myself. I learned these things. I'm going to choose, you know, what, what I do. And yet he had flaws and, and he made those mistakes, but that principle, um, that principle was powerful to me because while he was confident in his decisions, he never tried imposing them upon other people that I saw, particularly me. Like he valued my voice and he, he empowered me to think for myself. And that was really the turning point for me, one of the turning points where I saw like it's possible to be strong and not be dominating, not be overbearing. And, you know, to your point of, of this idea of a boss, like a lot of people, for a lot of people, boss isn't a great word because they think of like my boss is my slave master. My boss is my, my like, he controls my life. This is when you're going to do this. This is when you're going to do this. And my thing is a boss should be a leader that has this vision. Their, their job is to be visionary and to kind of chart out the future, what we want to happen, but then to attract other people to them who have a similar vision so that when you're organizing, you're just giving them a structure where they can do the work. Maybe they're not really interested in, you know, running a company or, or charting out the next five or 10 years, but they love doing the task of this industry of this, this job. That's what I've been chasing. That's this goal. And so it gravitated into me taking more of that leadership position and saying, I want to help empower others, not just myself. So, I mean, you alluded to, to your family a little bit here and there throughout these questions. So, are any of your family members, like your mom, your dad, aunts, uncles, anybody throughout your life, are any of them entrepreneurs? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, 
there are some of them who are becoming entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and some of them who have kind of gone with me on this journey. Uh, so I, maybe that's a bit unfair to say, but there are not, I think my, my brother-in-law is the one who sort of started it all with, when he, my, you know, my sister married him and then he was already listening to Tony and to Zig and to Jim Rowan and all of that. And so uh, I think that that's sort of where that started and has infiltrated my family. But like my parents, have always been more where they're following someone else's vision, whether that's the religion or whether that's, you know, their company they work for or, or various things. Hmm. So with your family, so it seems like, you know, you're a big family guy, right? Um, how do you juggle your work life with your family life? That for me is uh, a hugely important part as you have noticed, I, I recently got engaged. Uh, well, about a year ago, got engaged. And my biggest question in kind of approaching that journey is, how do I do both? I want to have my cake and eat it too. I don't want to be someone who either can be successful and provide for a family that I am removed from by the work that fuels that success, or just be a family man and, you know, kind of get by. And so I guess what ultimately, it's hard because I'm still in the process of that journey. I'm still in the process of, so yeah, I'm still in the process of forming that, but I can say that family is always a priority in how I manage my time. So I set aside time every day to connect with my fiance. I make sure and have time, you know, multiple times a week to connect with other family members, my mother especially, I'm close to her. And I think that that's kind of where it comes down to. We know that a career requires time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to work, whether you're working for yourself or whether you're working for someone else, you have to devote time for that. And so it's a matter of saying, how much is that time worth? We can usually tell how much our time and our company and our career is worth. We can put a dollar value on that. How much is your time with your family worth? And that's something that kind of goes, it crosses the barrier between my success professionally and my success emotionally and spiritually. And, and because that's something else that comes into that. You know, I devote time to my spirituality, time to my health, time to my family, mm-hmm. time to my career. And so I just make sure that the family has a place at that table and always, you know, instead of putting your money where your mouth is, like put your time where your mouth is, like have that, that budget, that time budget where you're showing the value by what you, how you prioritize that. So, I mean, you're just like you're scheduling blocks of time. Um, and this is the question that I always like to hear a response because everybody has a unique way of waking up every single morning. So, and or they have a unique routine or, or unique habits. What are your morning routines and your morning habits? My morning routine, honestly, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think that's something that has been a little bit of a frustration, but I'm, I'm learning to embrace it because a lot of people in the personal development industry a lot of people in the entrepreneurial industry in space, they're like, yeah, I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I do my shakes and I do my workout and I do this and this. And then by 7 a.m., 
I've already set my day up for success. And I'm like, by 7 a.m., I'm trying to get my ass out of bed. You know? <laughs> like, um, and so how, how to do that, I've, I discovered that it's not as important about when you do it as to what you do when you get up. And there, and there may be some limit to that. But my thing is, so I, I just wanted to put that out there for the people who listening who are also not morning people. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't do it at five or four or whatever, doesn't mean that you can't still set your day up for For me, I still am a spiritual person. And that's been a whole journey getting back to that point because I had a lot of negative experiences with church and with Christianity. But I did come back to that point. And so I prioritized that. I get up, I, I took this from, from Tony, he has this thing called Hour of Power. And I modified it some, but it starts with a breathing exercise. And I do that because, again, I'm trying to wake up, I'm trying to activate to, if I just go right into like meditation or prayer, I'm, I'm gonna fall right back asleep. So I, I do a breathing exercise for at least like five minutes and I'm walking, I'm moving during that time. Then, I do, um, for me, I do prayer. The main thing is I start with gratitude. I've heard like everyone in this space say gratitude is so important. And I realized the reason why that gratitude is so important is because obviously it it gets our state going, Mm -hmm. but also it reminds us of success and things that have gone right in the past because I need to have faith. I need to have assurance that I can do this. I can conquer this day. And if I start with gratitude, I'm feeding my mind with the successes of my past or with things that have gone right for me that God has helped me, that has done through me, or things that I'm confident will go right in the future. So that's the next thing. And that time has been increasing lately. Uh, right now, it's probably up to around 20 or 30 minutes that I spend just on gratitude. I write down a list of about 10 things, really take time to feel those things that I'm thankful for. But I also write down, um, because of my faith, like I, I write down Bible promises. Hmm. And not necessarily word for word. It's not, a, it's not a, anything that's graded or anything, but just to remind myself of why I believe in this book. Because my whole formula for freedom, for success in in the way I want to do things is, again, I I want to be a leader, not necessarily a follower. So even when it comes to the Bible, I'm asking myself, why do I read this? Why do I need it? Because let's face it, there are plenty of people out there who believe in different books or they they would rather just follow, um, you know, a more mysterious higher power or the universe or whatnot. And I don't judge anyone for that. I'm not here trying to convert everyone, but I am saying whatever you follow, you need to know why you need to have a foundation behind that. So I, I anchor that in the morning by familiarizing myself with passages in the Bible that speak to me that I believe give me an ability to win the day. And after that, I, um, I, I pray about different things, about things that want to happen today for family, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's a bit more fluid time frame there. After that, I usually eat 
Um, and then after that, it's, it's just dependent on what I want to do for that day. Like this morning I was preparing for this interview, making sure that when I showed up here, my mind was right, that I had an idea of, of what I wanted to accomplish, like what I wanted to share, what message, because it's not a matter of like preparing a sermon, but it's a matter of what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about like what reality am I living? So that when you ask me these questions, I have something to answer from because none of us is a clean slate. We have negative interactions and positive interactions from the past. We have things that, you know, we, we may see on the news. We have things that we feel based on. I love listening to music. So that influences. And so I try to choose what am I going to be influenced by before I go to give something out? Because that's going to show up in that message. So, I mean, I would think sooner or later in, in, in your lifetime, potentially you're going to be writing books, books yourself. Cause I mean, you're, you're in that space, you're in that state of mind. Um, you're a big listener of Tony. You're a big listener of um, Les Brown. What books are you reading right now that's influencing you currently today? I'm reading Limitless by Jim Quick. Okay. Uh, he's a coach. He focuses on developing your mind, developing. Of course, I start reading the Bible in various parts. Uh, several books that I've really enjoyed. Um, I have read the book called Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Studying other cultures. And studying the experiences of other people is super important to me. And that is basically what grew out of that incident I told you about getting fired because I started to realize that like racism is alive and well today. I got to be honest, I grew up well-meaning people, but I didn't have to learn that stuff to survive. And so I did. And I learned the basic principle of equality and of respecting and of loving others, but I didn't learn how to apply that in a relevant way in my world until I was confronted face on with the fact that it's happening and it's affecting the people around me. So I do study a good bit about that. I'm reading a book uh, about the, the history of black gospel music called people get ready by Robert Darden. Uh, and so just things to learn about history, then to learn about other people's um, experiences Things to learn about my spirituality and about how to improve my life. That's probably the, the, the biggest things, but also music. I'm a huge student of music. I listen to jazz. I listen to uh, Coldplay. I listen to Michael Bublé. I listen to Bobby McFerrin, who kind of does his own thing. I don't even know how you classify that. <laughs> this is true. But I, I pride myself in listening to a lot of different music again, because I'm trying to attract that diversity. Jacob Collier is a huge fan of mine, or I'm sorry, I'm a huge fan of his, mm -hmm. um, and Snarky Puppy. So just a lot of different things. And I mentioned these because that's to me is as important as the reading <laughs> is I listen to music to learn, not to turn off my brain and just absorb, but like, how can I do that? How can I bring that into what I do musically and, and what I say and like how I live my life? 
I mean, yeah, I could definitely attest to that because I think when, when we first met, uh, you know, I pay attention to detail. I mean, it's just something that, that, that I do. And if I remember correctly, I was trying to visualize it in my mind. I think you had a T-shirt on that said something about Black Wall Street. I forgot the, the punchline above it. And, and I found that it, very interesting, right, C- considering that, you know, you're Caucasian and you're wearing a Black Wall Street shirt. And I was just kind of like, what's the story behind that? Like, like how did you even, one, where did you get the shirt, right? And, and why did you wear that shirt that particular day? <laughs> Yeah. So I got that shirt from a friend um, on Facebook. I've never actually met him in person, Mm. but around, I don't know, somewhat after the events of, of of course, the murder of George Floyd, Mm. he started selling these shirts. By that point where this news came out about George Floyd, I'd already been studying social justice informally for you know probably a couple years and so i was ready like i i to be honest i never watched the video Mm. not because i don't care but because i didn't need it i was already upset enough like Mm. i'm not needing to get nightmares because the purpose of to me what that video did is it woke people up Mm. whether or not they were um you know, it woke them up to different ideas, but it woke everyone up. It got everyone thinking. And so I say that because that journey started. I watched like the Netflix series, When They See Us. I watched the movie, The Hate You Give. I watched Selma, you know, uh, historical things as well. But I started immersing myself because I'm like, I need to know if I'm going to interact in a, in a positive way. And let's face it, I'm a white man living in the South. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to think like, how can I have an opportunity to interact in a positive way with the people of color around me? Mm-hmm. Because everyone looking at me, I was a barista at Starbucks a little while. And I noticed that people of color coming in, especially as I was new, would re- relate to me in very different ways. A lot of them were very cautious and informal or sorry formal and like just standoffish and some people would get offended you know and be like why are you treating me like i'm a racist i'm not a racist and i'm like i'm wearing the uniform in the south by my face and my skin of someone that these people have to be cautious around but at the same time there were some people that came were super friendly and super open right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I started being interested in that idea. And the main thing is I started wearing the shirts like that because I'm like, this is something I can do to let people know whether they're passing me on the street. I don't have to say a word. They know I'm an ally and I can be one less white man in the South that can make stress out someone's day that can make someone feel uncomfortable. And that's, that's why I wear them. Hmm. So like you have a conscious awareness. And, and so with that, right, and, and bringing it back to business, like that's always a subject when it comes down to business is like race. And there's always a comment about, well, you know, buy from your own or shop with your own. But, you know, we all are in the same economic system. So understanding both sides, and it seems like you're very aware of both sides of the coin. How are you using that to fulfill what you're doing business-wise. How do you see that growing your business and giving opportunities to other people? I can definitely tell you how I see it in my vision of the future. Okay. Because like, 
this this whole white savior narrative, of course, is something that happens. You have people out there, well-meaning, but they're just like, I have all this power. I have the celebrities, so I'm going to, you know, hire people of color in my company. I'm going to donate money to feeding the homeless. I'm going to do, you know, send money to other countries. And this idea that because of my privilege, I can benefit the lives of others by sending money or sending resources to them. My vision is, and I know I'm not the only one to think this way, but what I've really been impressed with, the people that make the most difference are the people who elevate the voices and the experiences of other people, pass the mic on to those people who otherwise wouldn't be given that platform. In other words, as I move forward, of course, I see myself not just being a coach, but sort of like Tony, having a company that I do speaking, you know, events, I do masterminds, I hire coaches, I have a, a network that can benefit a lot of people. But in that, I see myself like being involved with a podcast like yourself where I can bring, um, I can bring like black CEOs and people who, who want to be black entrepreneurs and whatever and say like, tell us your experience because I have an audience who will listen to me, who will relate to me, who won't relate to you the same. And I don't say that at all to, to be condescending, but it's just the reality of the culture we live in. So I want to take and bring to that audience examples saying, this is something that I support. This is something that I believe is important. And it has shaped me to become who I am. And Tony has done that. He's done a couple episodes of his podcast where he interviews leaders in the current civil rights movement. And that's something that's really been inspiring to me. But it goes so much beyond interviewing, but it, it comes into empowering people to be leaders in their community, going, you know, education in the inner cities, um, again, biz, building businesses, helping people of color build businesses, all of that stuff. I want to be someone who empowers not just individuals, but who empowers leaders because representation is everything and have that representation among success. And just a little plug for that as well. I found this, I don't know if you're familiar with Evan Carmichael. Of course. The airplane, I was, I was calling the airplane guy, the guy that can reach the sky, right? Yeah. I highly recommend, and this isn't a paid promotion or anything, but I highly recommend every white person, especially who's listening to this, every black person, but, but I'll probably explain why to go to, he offers these programs where he will send you a short YouTube video every day for 254 days. There's one in there called Black Excellence. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend everyone subscribe to that. It's completely free. And the reason is this. As I said before, we're not a clean slate. I don't have ultimate control over what's coming into my senses every day. I have some control, but not, not totally. So every day I see people of color mm -hmm. who are in service positions be working at a gas station, maybe working on the side of the highway, maybe not working at all, you know, maybe homeless, various, I see those images of people of color who are in more poverty, in the, the less 
influential careers, things like that. And because I'm taking that in and it's beyond my control, my mind is going to start forming these beliefs Mm -hmm. as to why that is. Hmm. And people say, well, I'm not racist. You may not be racist consciously, Hmm. but you have prejudices, prejudice based on the things that you see, the things that you experience around you. Hmm. That program, Black Excellence, every day you see a person of color. Sorry, I keep interchanging those two terms. I'm, I'm hoping I'm making sense here. But hmm. you see that, but someone who's successful, who's doing what they do at the highest level. There are actors, there are athletes, there are business people, there are musicians, different walks of life, giving advice about how to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important because it reconditions our mind to say, black people are successful. They learn this stuff. They're on this equal plane. It may not be in the same numbers, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they're black. Why, why like not that them being black doesn't inhibit their growth. Mm-hmm. And so that the things like that, resources like that are just to help retrain the mind and to help educate me and, and people like me to view everyone on a, a way of like, I want to help you succeed mm-hmm. because I have full faith that you can exceed to my level and beyond, regardless of your background, regardless of your skin color, regardless of how I perceive, like, it just kind of levels that. So hopefully that makes sense. It does. I mean, to your point of bringing up that particular YouTube host, right? Carmichael is, uh, I remember when he first came out and I was following him and I was like, who's this guy on YouTube? And I remember his first videos were like, and he would refer to them as like garbage, right? Because now his videos are like well-branded. I call him the airplane guy because he has a paper airplane. He's yellow and black. He has branding down to his science. But he was the first YouTube channel of its time, to your point, that was giving equality to everyone. He may have Jay-Z, he may have Sean Puffy Combs, he may have Tony Robbins, and he goes through every single person's life journey and how they got to success. One of his biggest series that I enjoyed was his 10 key tips to success from every single person. And to your point, I mean, diversity is what his platform grew from. It was, he didn't discriminate against any individual race, creed, or sex for that matter. He had everybody and everybody had success stories that were, were open your mind to be like, like, I know they're successful, but I didn't know how they became successful. And his show kind of gave you the opportunity to kind of see that on that journey. So on his journey, right, it took him a period of time, right? On your journey, where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Hmm. I see myself as being a global influencer as having a a movement and not because I have anything so much new in the sense of, you know, my life coach or personal development, as I said, those ideas, I didn't create them. Tony didn't create them. I honestly believe that my message, the message that I want to share in, in my brand and I will spend the most time and resources doing is that diversity is beauty and that spirituality is also beauty those two things because they they both elevate us in different ways obviously seeing that diversity and appreciating that 
that elevates us because it gives us resources of everyone from every walk of life. I, I've heard other people in your podcast at times saying like the most valuable thing we have are relationships. Mm. Well, if relationships are valuable, how much more value do I have by approaching relationships from everyone, not just people that I perceive will benefit me. So that's something, a message. I'm so glad that Evan is doing that. I think we need more voices in that space. I think Brendan Burchard is another person in this space who's consciously doing that, bringing diversity into the front. And uh, so that's definitely a crowd I plan to join and hopefully long before 20 years, but that's, that's a goal. And then the other thing is spirituality because let's face it, talking about topic and it's something that a lot of people especially like in the professional business sense are going to shy away from because there's a lot of negative connotations with that like well you know it's, it's controversial it's like politics i don't want to get involved in religion and all that and so my burden with that is not to um not to persuade people to believe like me, but to relieve people of the reasons not to believe like me, to give them that through true freedom of choice. So for instance, I'm a Christian. People have beliefs about Christians, well, they're judgmental or whether, you know, well, they are particular about, you know, working certain days or not working certain days, or they are never going to invest in a bar or they're never going to it's, it's perceived as a limitation. My perception of the Bible, for instance, everything I have learned from Tony, everything I have learned from Les Brown, from Zig Ziglar, those concepts are in the Bible. Like the, the concepts to grow your wealth, to manage your relationships, to improve your mind, like all of that's in the Bible. And I say that because... I've, if that resource has been there for thousands of years, is it not worth exploring it on a personal level, just like we do these influencers? Hmm. But not only that, I believe the Bible is first and foremost a love letter, an invitation to get to know a personal God. And so many times, like, relationships are both our greatest ally and our greatest downfall. Because if you look in politics, if you look in business, the scandals almost always are relationships. We're, we have good intentions, but you know, the stereotype of men is that we want to just accomplish the next thing. And, and we're more, uh, more uh, career driven I don't believe that's really the case. I believe that men are conditioned, are taught that we're not really good at relationships. And so let's focus on something we're good at because it's kind of depressing to, to just go around saying, well, you know, I'm not good at relationships, but I'm gonna keep trying. If you keep trying with the same tools you have, you'll keep getting the same results, we know. I believe personally that developing a relationship with my higher, higher power, which is God, gives me a blueprint, a foundation for my other relationships, which benefits my 
career, benefits my happiness, benefits my health, my family, all of that holistically improves my life. And some people might say, well, that's easier said than done because people like to say you should have a relationship with God. You know, it's, it's not, there are so many different ways of, of doing that. And I guess my response to that without getting theological and, and um, all that is where focus goes, energy flows. It's something that Tony says. If I'm telling myself, this is complicated, it's fraught with controversy, it's something I can't understand, I never will. But if I tell myself, I can form quality relationships, and I'm determined to do that, and if you believe that your deity, your higher power, is a force that you can personally interact with. Some people do that through meditation um, in different ways. If you believe it's possible, you will put the energy into and the focus into improving and doing that. And again, my thing is give people that option to say, I don't hate this religion. I'm not afraid of this religion. I'm not, you know, I'm working through it. If they've had negative interactions, I've had negative interactions. One of the things I do is I'm a spiritual abuse recovery coach because I, I've been there. I, I've spent most of my life trying to run away from religion, to be honest. And so again, it's exploring like how do I overcome these obstacles so that I can choose whether I want to go in this direction spiritually or this direction. And to me, I you do that through looking at the positive. Does the Bible thing, say things that can help my life? Are there things there that can benefit or is it all bad? If it's not all bad, it's worth trying to discern the bad from the good. The same could be said for any other religion. And uh, so I don't know if that answers. I, I'm, I've been rambling a lot with these questions, but that's, that's where I see myself is, is really putting, um, doing my best to promote those two ideas side by side. Got it. So with that, what words of wisdom would you have for somebody coming from a life coach mentality? If I'm somebody that's maybe 10 years younger than you, 15 years younger than you, and I'm, I'm coming up in the system, I'm coming out of high school, I'm in my early 20s per se, and I want to establish myself into becoming a life coach, what words of wisdom would you give to them? Pay attention to your environment and pay attention to within that what you're feeding your mind. Everyone has the power to do that. We teach kids from a young age to read. Everyone can go on YouTube and, and find motivational content like, like um, Evan has because our minds, they, they put out what we put into them. So to me, that's the most important thing is really take the time to encourage yourself to listen to people who have done things, who have, are accomplishing things with their lives so that you have, you train yourself to always say, I can do this. I can learn to do this. I can do this better. I can uh, succeed because there's going to be plenty of people around you telling you that you can't. 
Definitely great, great insight. So where can people find you online, social media, website? How can they get in contact with you? So the main thing is I'm on social media. Um, right now I have Facebook and Instagram. I'll be expanding that later on. But Ben Jenkins 2022 is my username there. And it's that because that's the year of my wedding. So uh, that's the way to remember that. And I do have a website, benjenkinsmedia.com. And it's a bit of, an, um, of a, a generic term, but that's because I do plan as I expand that, you know, not just I have music on there, but I have courses for personal development on there. I have books on there. I have like, I'm a media guy. That's, that's how you communicate. Mm -hmm. And so that's the two places I would recommend. Got you. So this next question, I'm very intrigued to see what your response would be because I kind of, it's a, in my mind, I have like a toss up between who it could possibly be. So I'll just ask it and see, see if we fall into alignment. If you could spend 24 hours in a day with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? I'd probably have to say Bobby McFerrin. And, <laughs> and honestly, because I believe he is someone who you could probably gain about the most from in 24 hours because he's funny, he's honest, he's expressive, he's musical, he's philosophical, he's spiritual. Like I could spend a week with that guy and just, just to ask and pick his brain and sing with him. And to me, it'd be a very life enriching experience. That was not on my radar whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, other people that I admire, I would love to spend 24 hours with Tony and I'd love to spend, but just if you say pick one person, yep. to, that's the guy that like has the diversity to offer. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he does. I mean, Bobby is, is to your point, you don't know what classification to put him in musically because he's kind of like his, all his music is coming from him. It's not instrumental. It's not necessarily singing, but he's taking all, it's kind of like bebopping, drumming all into one person's vocal cords coming out from. So to your point, I mean, yeah, Bobby is definitely um, an influencer in his own space and he's a legend as well too. So I, I definitely see that now that you said it. Um, and not just that, but like I've listened to, I've watched documentaries where he's speaking. Mm -hmm. Man's profound. Like he's, he's someone who has studied. He's someone who, who says, and he's a, a classic example of living his life through his music. Mm -hmm. not, he's not separated from his art. He's not hiding behind his art. It's not a performance. And that I have aimed to be like, I, I walk around the house humming and singing and making all this noise to myself because I listen to Bobby. Like I have people when I was at Starbucks, people like, why are you singing all the time? And I didn't realize I was doing it. Like I just make your art yourself and make yourself out through what you express, like be authentic. That's what people are looking at these days because let's be honest, there are so many people out here on social media who are trying to give us a curated message, a curated impression of themselves. And people see through it. Mm -hmm. And people are out here like, on 2020, everyone's online, but we're also at home. And the two worlds have collided in a way that like never before, where like, the, the barrier is growing thin between our anxiety and our, our stress and our relationships at home and all that and our image that we're putting out there. 
And so people are hungry for just that genuine connection with people. And that's something, again, that Bobby does better than anyone else I know. Well, that's, that's definitely a, gr- a great answer. So in closing, obviously, I always give the microphone to my guests and give you opportunity. I mean, we talked about several different topics. And in those conversations, you may have questions for me. So the microphone is yours. What questions do you have for me? One that I think of kind of goes back to this idea of diversity and of race. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a lot of people of color in my life. In fact, uh, you know, there's this the stereotype, oh, I have this one black friend. I was telling someone, I think I have fewer white friends at this point <laughs> just because, because I, I've been attracted to the cultural experience and the, the, the depth of, of perception that people of color tend to have in this country. And so my question for you, as a black man in America, what is something that you would want me to understand to see in your experience that you feel like people who look like me are have have a difficult time grasping that is probably one of the the most intellectual questions i've ever had on on this i've had some intellectual questions so and i have to kind of think about it cuz obviously there's always more than one side to the coin right on one side of the coin, you have people that are essentially looking at the system of being undermined and depressed. And on the other hand, you have people that look at the system as saying, the hell with the system, I can make my life whatever I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Right? So understanding that, I think it's going to be kind of hard to assess you as an individual person to anybody that presents themselves to you until they raise their hands and they let you know which side of the coin that they're on, right? And what that really means is on one side of the coin, they may look at you, like you said before, before you started wearing the shirt to Starbucks, they would look at you as supposedly the man, the depressor, because they've been raised that way. They've seen hardship. They've been, you know, kind of under the influence that the national quo or the worldwide status of the world that we live in is as a black person where cards are stacked against us. And in some rights they are, but to your point, when you talk about Carmichael, he shows people that have overcome those things, right? So from Oprah Winfrey to Jay-Z, Sean Puffy Combs, and obviously they're part of the 1%, right? So for you as an individual, you can't really be judgmental when somebody presents themselves. You're gonna have to let them show you who they really are. And the way I've learned to do that is essentially I give people opportunities and whether they take the opportunities or not, that's kind of like my first qualifications. Okay. If I say, Hey, I have opportunity. I'm not saying you need to sign up or buy anything. It may be as simple as this podcast, for example, it's an opportunity for you to learn from everybody else's experience, to learn from my circle of people that I've had opportunity like you, I've just met you. And I already know that, you know, that you can give information, you can give um, insight, you can give inspiration as well take hold of this podcast and utilize it. And in that journey, I've asked people to potentially be on this podcast. In the early stages, a lot of people were kind of like, "Mm, I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they, they know my track history, they know who I am, they know what I'm capable of doing. And now a year into it, people are now coming around to be like, oh, not only has he achieved the podcast, 
not only has he had particular people of particular high wealth or particular influencers on this podcast, now they're starting to take, take, listen, it's like that no matter if you're black or white, you kind of have to prove yourself. And so what I'm saying is that I would not look at anybody as black, white, Asian or anything else. I would look at them as, are they seizing the opportunities? Do they understand the opportunities in front of them? And are they taking advantage of it? And if they're not, can I guide them in the right direction? And on that journey of guiding them in the right, that direction, are they listening to those steps? Are they taking action? And if they don't fit those particular two things, it, to me, it doesn't matter what color or race they are. If you're not seizing the opportunity, if you're not taking actions on the opportunity, and you're stuck where you are and you're not willing to transition forward, unfortunately, at that point in time, you can't save everybody. Keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully in your journey, they would realize that, man, I should have got on that bandwagon six months ago. I should have got on that bandwagon 12 months ago. And then at that, then they'll represent themselves to you in a different light. Does that? Yeah. So what I heard you say is like, give me a chance to prove myself mm. beyond my skin color. Like, look at me mm. and, and, you know, cause let's be honest, we meet a lot of people and through social media, it might be a comment. It might be a like, like we have brief interactions. And so it's easy to pass by some profiles or to pay attention to some profiles and that gets into the importance of branding and everything. But as individuals, mm -hmm. to take the time to say, okay, I see you. We all look different. There are millionaires who don't comb their hair in the morning. And there are people who are, you know, Instagram models who can't pay their rent. So as individuals, like look beyond the surface of skin color, of, you know, the way I present myself and just give me a, a moment to pique your interest. I mean, yeah, that's really what it, what it comes down to. And to your point with social media, that's the world that we live in, right? I would say there's the online persona, then there's the real persona, and then it's kind of like the gray area that somebody could potentially bleed into both sides. But the reality is, is that all three personas are uniquely different. And I don't think there's anybody, including like Tony, including like um, Jim, all of them have multiple different levels of personas, but at some time or the other, that online persona has to pretty much be turned off, even though it bleeds into their, their almost everyday life. But you have to be that persona to attract more people to influence them and, and get them on a journey. Go ahead. Yeah, especially if you're in a business space where you're trying to get people to give you money. You have to have yeah. some sort of a, a, a genuineness about you because if you're just keeping up a persona, People say, why would I trust you with my money when you don't even trust me with yourself? Like with your yeah. picture. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So as I said, I'm passionate about two things. Diversity is one. Mm -hmm. Spirituality is another. How do you see, do you see that spirituality, do you believe that it has a relevant place to entrepreneurs, to uh, business people and professionals like and if so how do you like how do you believe people can access that so with that question I, I think that not everybody is spiritual in the sense of religion but I think that they're spiritual on their own accord right some people may find that through yoga right some people may find that through meditation some people may find that on just closing their eyes and taking three minutes to become one with themselves. 
people that are successful have mastered everything that I've just listed. Some of them may attribute it to God. Some of them may attribute it to the old world Greek mythology, right? Some people may attribute it to taking that five minutes of breathing relaxation every single day as part of why they're successful and not only successful, but they can maintain their success based upon that inner, inner spirituality. So understanding that it doesn't have to be religious. It doesn't have to be meditation, but you have to find it, whatever it is to you. Yeah. Be authentic. Choose it. Yeah. And, and, and stick to it. I mean, and be, be okay with, adaptation of it right i mean obviously you could wake up one day and be muslim then next day you could wake up and and be catholic there's no really reason why you couldn't be in sense that you're finding your purest moments while you are in that space of mind and in addition to that look for opportunities outside of religion right i mean think about it from a standpoint i think russell simmons is a good person as an example he finds his inner spirituality every single day he wakes up and he does a he has a meditation room in his house he has like a yoga center in his house so he wakes up and he does this on a routine basis it's almost like like praying to allah for muslims for sense they do it so routinely so effortlessly that he's done it to where it's keeping him motivated and it keeps him in alignment to juggle his work-life balance on a day-to-day basis. You have to figure that out for you. So some people, it may be rock climbing. Some people may be kickboxing. Whatever it is that makes you go from being frustrated or overused and underappreciated, and after you do that one thing, if you come out positive and taking the positive energy and converting negative into positive, that's it. Whatever that is, figure it out. And the faster you figure it out, the more inclined you're going to be successful in the long run. So the way I'm understanding your answer then is like show up to your spirituality mm-hmm. as your authentic self. Just like we talked about showing up on your online interactions and in your, your views with your authentic self. Like use that as a, a modality, as a way to find that higher self, to improve, to center so that you have the presence and you have the, the energy to take that onto your professional life, to your interactions with people. Yeah, foundation. Yep, definitely, definitely. So, well, I mean, hopefully, I, I answered your questions. I mean, like I said, those are some really uh, like it kind of got into like a whole nother spectrum of interviewing. <laughs> but I definitely appreciate it. And to your point, I mean, you're a life coach. So I mean, that that's part of who you are, and you definitely delivered on that. So I definitely appreciate you taking time out your schedule today. I think that my listeners would definitely get a, a unique spectrum on what life coaching is and just that business structure and just the way you're processing and you're thinking is not just business. It's about helping people, motivating people while also helping and motivating yourself on your journey. Yeah. And you know, the, the core there is whatever I do, however you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. Whatever I do in my mind, whatever I believe in my spirit, how I treat my body, how I treat my future wife, all of that, it's going to spill over into my business somehow. So I will have conversations about, you know, two business people to about spirituality and, and some of these things that make people a little bit squirmy, but it's not, as I said, it's not to be persuasive, but it's like, you've got to get unified. You've got to get authentic mm-hmm. because the more you are, any of these people, the Richard Branson's of the world, the Tony Robbins of the world, Barack Obama's of the world, they spend time there. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, that inner conflict, and I'm not saying everyone's, you know, a, a monk or they got to sort it out, 
but they've at least spent time because the more inner conflict you have, that's going to slow you down everywhere. So that's why I do that. Great. Great. Well, again, man, I definitely appreciate you having you on, on the podcast. And I mean, I'm looking forward to see, you know, what you're going to do in the next five, 10, 20 years. I'm definitely going to follow you. Um, so S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.